0: Everybody ready to go with the word of the Lord tonight? Let's do it. Everybody say, let's do it. Let's do it. 1 Peter 2 and 9. 1 Peter 2 and 9. Let's do it in Jesus' name. I believe the Lord's going to help us tonight, and God's going to speak to us tonight, and get us ready because, uh, man, I've just been praying through the revival. Lord, what do you want to say? What do you want us to do? And I believe that God has given me some great some great word for our church. I've got so much to say, so many so many messages to preach, and I'm like, okay, I've got to get going here. I've got to get on this stuff. Uh, while you're turning to 1 Peter 2 and 9, let me remind everyone at the church I am not an evangelist, I'm a pastor. Uh, what that means is I know a lot about you, and a lot of evangelists that come don't know you. When I preach, I don't have to preach as much about what I felt in the Holy Ghost. I can do that about partially, but I can also preach about what I saw, okay? So, so a pastor's role is different than an evangelist. An evangelist doesn't know any of y'all. He has to pray, and if God doesn't tell him, he doesn't know what to do. Half of pastoring is, an, I already know you. I know your struggles. I know your weaknesses. I see you every single week. I get the phone calls. I hear the gossip. I know the church. So when I teach and I preach as a pastor, understand the difference. I know you. And I'm not just praying about it only, but I know you. So if you say this when I'm preaching, he's, he's probably talking about me. You're exactly right. I'm probably talking about you. I can't believe pastor's trying to single me out. Well, first of all, I'm never going to waste the church service on one of y'all. I will call you in the office or I will text you. You're not that special, sweetheart, okay? I can't believe he's talking just to me tonight. No, I'm not. It usually takes me about six different people before I figure it out then we're going to deal with this at church. So, understand the difference in the ministries and understand as a pastor, there's going to be things I'm going to deal with that may be rumblings in the church, maybe things you know about, you don't know all about, spiritual things. Just know that that's normal. I'm the watchman of your soul. That means I watch you and I talk about it. That's what it means, okay? So, so don't, don't get weirded out. Don't be like, I can't believe it's getting in my bubble. That, I'm, I'm the main man of God in your life that will always get in your bubble. That's what I do. We live close together for that purpose. What's the point of being together if you can't talk about it? It defeats the purpose of our proximity to each other, okay? So understand that, that if it's something that you think is near and true to where you're living, then thank God for it because I'm doing my job. That's what I'm here to do. And I'm only doing it because obviously I care and because I want to make sure that you're, you're doing good. I want to make sure that you're growing in the Lord. I want to make sure that you make it to heaven, First Peter 2 and 9. But you are a chosen generation. Let me talk to somebody right now and tell you. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That you should show forth the praises of him, Jesus, who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's who you are, and I hope you know that's who you are. Which in times past you were not a people, but now... I hope you believe this about yourself. You're the people of God. Now you are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Look where you are today, right now. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Stay away from things that try to take you out in battle. Stay away from things that try to mess you up. Having your conversation, your action, your, your action, that's what that word means in the original Greek, honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, that they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Everybody say in Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Thank you so much for being here once again. Um, I believe God's going to help us tonight. And I want to talk about the other side of salvation. The other side of salvation. Somebody say the other side of salvation. You, you guys know, right, that there's lost and saved, right? Can we agree on that tonight? All right. I don't have to have everybody here tonight. I just need somebody to agree with me on this, the Word of God tonight. It's lost or saved. There's no in between. There's dark and light. That's it, y'all. Let us resist the false doctrine of our day, and understand that we are either in this or we are not in this. And this is very important, and that's what I feel tonight in the Lord to tell you that there is a massive difference between dark and light, in and out, saint, non-saint, member, non-member. And I want to make sure it's clear tonight that there are completely two different identities, and you have to know who you are because coming to church can feel like you're good. We all know that. I've done that. I've been raised in church my whole life, and I know that it can feel like I'm good because I come to church, and I do the clap, and I wear the nice clothes. I can feel like I'm right, but there is an identity that comes that is special when you're in the light. It is completely different than when you're in the dark. Can we not forget tonight that we came to church originally because we wanted to be saved? Can we just pause a minute in the Holy Ghost right now, and can we remember at Austin First Church that you really got in church because you wanted to go to heaven? That you didn't need things to be okay, you just needed to make sure you went to heaven. That you didn't need everybody to like you, you just wanted to go to heaven. You didn't have to have everything perfect, you just wanted to go to heaven. Is that still how you feel? Because it can get to where you worry about everything else and you miss, I'm in this to go to heaven. That's the reason why I drove out tonight. It's the reason why I came and I have a pastor and I have a church because I know this is about going to heaven and I refuse to be lost for anybody, for anything. This is about going to heaven. And whenever you get frustrated, whenever you start to have a bad day, you've got to look in the mirror and say, I'm going to be saved. I know the enemy. I know the attack of the enemy. I'm going to be saved. I refuse to let this thing get me out of the light. I am a chosen generation. I am a child of the king. I'm not like I used to be. I don't talk that way or act that way. I'm in this now. I am saved now, and I refuse to get out of it. Nothing's getting me out of it. I'm going to do this thing, and I'm going to be saved in Jesus' name. So, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Let me let me also make a quick announcement before we get into all that tonight. Whenever we have uh, weather that's like this, um, I, I know it's difficult for some people, especially after what the weather did to us last uh, February. It, it ruined us, y'all. I mean, HEB's empty, you know, honestly, right now. Uh, so, so, let me just pastor for just a moment here, because tonight we're just pastoring. We're catching up on stuff. I totally get it that there's going to be times where there's bad weather and people can't come to church. Here's my recommendation as your pastor. If you don't drive in it for anything else, then it makes sense that you couldn't make it for church. But God have mercy. Let's never get out and drive to go get dinner or get out and drive in this kind of weather to go to, go to a football game or to... Let's never be caught doing that, okay? If you sincerely can't make it because it's wet and dark, I am not going to throw stones at you. That's between you and Jesus. I can't tell you whether you can drive at night or not, okay? But please also don't say that I can't come because it's going to ice if the weather says it's not gonna ice all right? Just be honest. It's, it's cool. Like, I'd rather you be honest with me and be like, look, the truth is I don't want to come tonight because it's going to be nasty out. But let's don't add to it because you're scared I'm going to be mad at you. I, you don't come to church for me. This is between you and Jesus Christ. If you feel guilty, then you feel guilty. That's between you and Jesus. You got to pray and talk to him about it, all right? So, so I would rather you in the future, I'd rather you just text me and say, the weather report says it won't ice till 5 a.m., but I don't like the rain. That's the truth. But I don't like when we try to defend ourselves and say, tonight's going to be icy when I'm literally staring at my phone and it says, it's not going to be icy until 3 o'clock in the morning. We'll be out of here at home by 11, y'all, 10, 11 at the latest. Okay? So I'm not throwing stones at anybody. I love you guys. Uh, you know, we got a lot of texts today. People are like, I just don't know if I can make it. And so I just wanted to just give you a friendly reminder of how that should work and inclement weather. And hey, in Dallas, we canceled sometimes. We've canceled here before sometimes because weather was bad. So I'm not trying to be that guy that's just like, we're going to get to church no matter what. You know, grandma, walk five miles in the snow. Uh, that's actually a lot safer. <laughs> yeah, can I get an amen? It's actually a lot safer to walk five miles in the snow than drive in the snow around here because somebody's going to straight kill you. It's crazy out there. So Thank you for letting me get that announcement out of the way, uh, get a little pastoring moment in. But we love you. If you couldn't be here tonight, uh, we don't judge you. God God knows all of that. You've got to an answer for you. And uh, I just I love you no matter what. But I wanted to just let you pray about that, think about that as your pastor. Our identity comes from the Word of God. It's he that has made us, not we ourselves. For the way we shout, the way we speak in tongues, everything we do, all of our identity comes from the Word of God, and I'm going to be this way because the Word of God says I'm going to be this way. Somebody agree with that tonight? The way that I dress, uh, uh, as strange as I might look to people, it comes from the Word of God. I can defend it. I believe in it. It's not something I made up because I want to go to the Word of God for everything that I am. The way that we believe comes from the Word of God. We're oneness people, and we believe that we must repent and be baptized in the name Of Jesus Christ, underwater in immersion for our sins to be removed, we also believe that we shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost because the Word of God tells us and we don't fight against the Word of God. We know that we must be holy because He is holy and our holiness must be as beautiful as His holiness. But more importantly than all of that, we need to think it of ourselves deep inside of our heart. The same way that Jesus thinks of us, that is if you You really are us. We've got to know who we are and what he's called us to be, and we've got to own that identity and look in the mirror and say, I know who I am. I am a child of the king. I know the way I'm supposed to live and act, and there are no excuses. I am in the light now. It's totally different than the way you used to live. We are not the darkness people anymore. Don't be so shocked when we try to preach you to be a mature Christian because we're not looking at you like a guest. We're talking to you like you have the gift of the Holy Ghost in you. You've got the power of Jesus in you. And I believe there's nothing impossible that you can do if you have the power of the Holy Ghost. Do not be shocked when this pastor says, I thought you'd do better. Because I know whom it lives inside of you. He is greater than the old man. He's the one that can make you do new things, make you have a good spirit and a good attitude. Don't be so shocked when I look at you and I see a chosen generation. I feel like sometimes, as a pastor, as a man of God, people look at me and they say, What do you think that I am? I say, Saved. You're the light. You're a child of the king. You're nothing like you used to be. You don't get angry like you used to be. You don't cuss like you used to cuss. You don't go where you used to go. Am I strange for believing that when you're converted, you're converted. All things are now made new. That's what I believe about you. If you're a member of the church and you have the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name, I no longer see the old you. And yes, I am shocked when you act like the old you. You should be too. You should want me as your pastor to be shocked if you're not the new way. Because this is our new way. So, my question tonight for all of us and those watching online is, is Are we out of the darkness? Are we out? Hey, you got to ask that for you and your family. I got to ask it for me. But are you really out of the darkness? Because you realize what it means if you're still living in darkness, you're not saved. And you know what it means if you're not in darkness, you must be in light. There's only one or the other. You cannot be a fake Christian. You can't fake your way into heaven. You can't be a fake saint in the church. You're either in or you're out. I didn't make up the rules. I didn't say that. You're either married or you're not. It's, it's one or the other. And so tonight, I just want to tell you, we, I, we are the chosen generation. That's who we are. We're the people of God. We're not halfway in. We're not trying to make up our minds. We're we're not on the fence. We are the people of God. Is anybody a people of God tonight? You need to own that. Don't get guilty. Don't be condemned. But just rise up and say, you're right, Pastor. That is who I am. That's who I'm called to be. I've got the name of Jesus on me. I've got a spirit inside of me. I'm going to be the light. Light and dark cannot exist at the same time. We know this. In fact, darkness is the absence of light, and you can't measure darkness. We used to be nobodies. We used to be nothing. We used to have no way of measuring us. But when the light showed up, uh, the nothingness had to go, and now we are something. You used to be nothing, but that's not who you are now, and I'm not going to treat you like nothing. Nothing. I'm going to talk to you like you're something. I'm going to talk to you like you've been baptized, like you're higher than this, like you're greater than this. I'm not going to see that old man. I'm not seeing that old way. It shocks me when someone converted acts like they used to act. I can't give in to that spirit. I can't pity you because when you get in, you're in. Unless you're not. And if you're not, you can get back in. But you got to know where you are. What's so key about being a Christian is we got to know where we are. What's so key about it is got to know where we are. And this is what hurts us the most. We don't want to talk about where we are. You have to know if you're in or you're out. And how else can you know except for the way you live? No, 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 not how you dress. No, I'm not talking about that. Not, not how, you, how you, you shout or not how many times you come to church. I'm talking about how you live. I'm talking about how you get triggered. I'm talking about how you get mad. I'm talking about what messes with you the most that brings the darkness back out. If it can be squeezed out of you, it's there. Everybody looks like they're Christian until they're angry. Y'all think I'm an amazing pastor never make a mistake, but there's been some times my wife would disagree with you. If she could testify, and she can't, we're not letting that happen tonight. The floor is not open. No way. I've repented about all that. It's all good until you're triggered. And you realize you got stuff to work on. Yeah. So tonight, please understand there's no in between. We're different in every way. Peter said we're a chosen generation. We're a generation of purpose. God picked us. Look at your neighbor and say, God picked you. Doesn't it feel good to know that God picked us? That we're not just born, but we're adopted. We're not just born. We're adopted. He chose us. We're not accidents. You didn't get in church by accident. He pulled at your heart. He called you to this thing. He, he called you out of darkness. He called you out of darkness. He picked up the phone and said, don't be that way anymore. Don't live that way anymore. I know you can come out. Is anybody thankful tonight that you've been chosen? You've got to stop getting your head down and getting depressed. You've got to tell the devil and tell your flesh, I am chosen. This is not who I am. I know I messed up, but people like me get up. We get it right and we keep going because we're chosen. Why are we chosen? To be a royal priesthood. Royal is our authority. Priest is our purpose, and we're priests who make the sacrifices so the sinners can find salvation. Because that's what the priest did in the Old Testament. He stood there and he said, next, oh, you're lost. Let's kill this sacrifice. Now you're saved. Oh, next, come on in. I'll, I'll be here with you. I'll be the intercessor. You are now the priest. That you make the sacrifice to come to the bad weather to get to church. So, somebody else can be saved Sunday. We are the sacrificers. We are the ones now that do the dirty work. We used to be the ones that were saved. We used to be the ones that were worked with, I should say. Now we're the ones that are doing the saving. We're the priests now. Whereas before you needed someone to rescue you, now you are the one that someone else needs to rescue. You have become the thing that you used to need. Am I talking to people in the light tonight? This is who you are now. Listen to the word of God tonight. Uh, you need to look in the mirror and see what the scripture says about you. In other words, we pray when nobody else prays here at Austin First Church. If you're in the church, you pray when nobody else prays. You know why? Because you have authority, you have purpose, you're a priest. You serve and work for him. Whether anybody likes you or not, you do it. Because we're his priest. We have purpose. We give what no one else gives. We don't do it because of their spiritual poverty. We do what we do because of our supreme authority. It comes from the top down, not the bottom up. Uh, We don't do what we do because we've been treated bad by others. We do it because this is who we are now. We are in the light now. It doesn't matter what what you do to us. Uh, We're here to serve others now. I don't expect anything from you. I'm here to serve you tonight. I don't need you to lift me up for me to be lifted up because I've got someone else for that. I've got elders and preachers that pray for me. I don't have to have you to do that. It's nice, but I don't have to have it. I've come here tonight to serve you as the pastor of this church. I've come here to open my heart up to lift you up tonight because I am a priest. I'm a chosen man, and I know that I can do this with his power. No matter how you treat me, what you think about me, I still love you and serve you because I, my calling come from him. Not from you. I do it no matter what anybody else does. I do it because this is my identity. We don't do it because we see people. We do what we do because we see him. We become a holy nation. We graduate from individual reputation. Watch this. To a group reputation. I used to be great by myself, and now you're not great unless the whole group's great. See, when you, when you got into this thing, you got into a nation. And now if the nation ain't right, you're not right. Y'all hearing me tonight? You can't be great alone because you're a part of a holy nation. So now you have to let go of your individual reputation, and now your reputation depends on the whole of the body. such thing as anybody in the church being clean and everybody else being dirty. It's the responsibility of the clean to help those who are hurting and suffering to rise up and be okay. Because if this body is not winning, then something's wrong with the healthy ones that are among us. They're not coming to the rescue. They're not helping anybody else because you think that you'll be fine all by yourself. But if this thing starts to sink, you go down with it. A, A church goes down with everybody. No such thing as, well, half of us are healthy and half are unhealthy. It's just one reputation. Either we're a holy nation or we're not. We have our own government here in our church. We have our own systems here in the church. We become recognized for our ability to work together in authority and submission because we are a holy nation. This is what God has called us to be. My favorite part, though, is we're peculiar people. And the original Greek means that we're a purchase people. And what God buys, he can customize. We don't belong to us anymore, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, we are a peculiar people. We have been bought with a price. We belong to Jesus. And if he says go right, we go right. And if he says go left, we go left. Because it's not up to us anymore. We do it his way. No matter how we feel, no matter what happened to us, we are not our own anymore. doesn't matter what I want to do. I'm not mine anymore. I've been bought with a price. So I, I summarize to say, we've been changed. And I ask you tonight, every one of us tonight, have you been changed? Are you still being changed? Or have you stopped? We can never stop changing. We can never stop trying to enter into that light. We can never quit this journey going forward to be with Jesus. The question I also have tonight is Have how have we changed? Because if it's not in our anointing, if it's not in our servitude, if it's not in our unity, and it's not in our identity, then you're still in darkness. And the greatest way to know that you've been changed and you have joined up with the body of Christ is how you add to the kingdom and not take away from it. I'm a part of the church, but I take from it. I never give to it. You're still the one being served on the outside. You're not the one serving on the inside. You see, there's another side of salvation. The other side of salvation is the one that serves. And then the other side, the non-saved side, is the one being served. Yeah, that's how it works. There's not an in-between. You're either saved and serving or you're lost and you need help. If you're always needing help... Are you on the right side of salvation? It's the question we must pose. Are we adding to the kingdom or constantly taking from the kingdom? Are things better with me around or worse? These are the questions we must ask because we got to make sure we're on the right side of it because there's an identity to being saved. There's an identity to being in the, in the light. We have to make sure we analyze ourselves and make sure we're on the right side. Let me, let me give you a good example, okay? When you first came to church, you were invited or you were begged or you just wanted to come try it out, and we held the door for you because you were new, and we smiled at you. I hope someone smiled at you. We gave you the best breakfast tacos money could buy. Somebody introduced themselves to you and was nice to you, I hope. People tell us we have a friendly church. That's what they tell me anyway. They might tell you, you might not think so. People tell me we have a friendly church. That's the kind of feedback I get most of the time. But obviously no church is perfect. But hopefully somebody was nice to you. Somebody prayed with you at the altar. Somebody hopefully taught you Bible study. And by the way, I don't see anywhere in here yet where anybody made you pay, tithe, pay tithes. All of that you got was for free because somebody loved you. It's really kind of cool when you're new to church. Because you just get to be served. We love you. You're broken. You're hurting. We love you. I want to pray and love on you. And that's what it's like when you are on the outside of salvation. You have a lot of good people that love you that are trying to pull you into salvation. You were handed everything from every ministry in our church that you needed. You got the sound ministry. You got the media ministry. You got the kids ministry. You got the youth ministry serving you. You got everything you need. You got preaching. You got teaching. You got hugs. You got encouragement because you're on the outside. Then one day you messed up. Then one day you got inside. Then one day you converted from dark to light and you done messed up. Because you know what happened when you came on in? You became the thing that you needed. There's only one way to look at it. You are now on the inside of the church. You're now a part of the body of Christ. And now you no longer look for someone to give to you. You look for someone to give to. Now you say, who can I serve? Now you say, punch me right here and watch me look like Jesus. I still love you. I still love you. Before, I couldn't do that. But now I'm a chosen generation. Now I'm a royal priesthood. Now I don't have to have it because I'm in the light. I know who I am. I know that I'm going to heaven, and I know there's nothing you can do to stop it. You done messed up big time. You became one of the chosen. You repented, got baptized in Jesus' name, and received the power of the Holy Ghost. You messed up big time. All of a sudden, you start getting called brother and sister. And the best is when you're at Six Flags and somebody across the group says, Brother Green! It's awesome. Not like we already don't stand out at Six Flags when it's 105 degrees outside and we're wearing baptismal robes out there. <laughs> and somebody hollers out, brother green. And I'm like, that's me. No, we're not a cult. Thanks for asking. Uh, and no, we're not that big of a family. Yes, I know there's 40 of us and we're like mixed in black and white. But uh, we just, you know, people scratch like, is he? Is that your brother? He's like 40 years older than you. <laughs> Feel sorry for your parents. Yeah, mom and dad had a lot of kids. Uh, so you start getting called brother and sister. You start getting to help, get asked to help at work days all the time. You done messed up. You see, you could have just stayed lost. And you wouldn't have to have all that responsibility. Whew. It's tough being saved. There's things expected of me now. You done messed up because now you're expected to serve somehow in the church. Messed up. Now you got to come a little early. You can't just drag in late because you're looking for someone to talk to. You maybe want to get a little prayer in. Maybe it's just different now because you used to just drag in. Who cares? I'm not a part of the kingdom. I can do whatever I want to do. Oh, you done messed up. That extra 10% you could have used on something really earthly. Done messed up now. Now you're a giver. Now you support offerings and you have to help pay for the building because this is your building. You done messed up, didn't you? Now you have to open the doors up. Now you have to smile at people when they come in. Now you've got to take the hits, and now you've got to put up with the smoke and breath on somebody in the altar. Now you've got to try to pray out the devil because yours was prayed out. Now you got to put up with a saint in the church that's brand new and they're difficult to work with. That used to be you, didn't it? Yeah, that's what happens when you get in the church. You went from receiver to investor. Yeah. You had it so easy. You could have been lazy and lost. But now you've become what you first needed. The roles have reversed. You see, the Apostle Paul was first called Saul, and he was a Christian killer first. Let's talk about transformations, okay? He would kill Christians for preaching about Jesus. That's it. Preach Jesus, get killed. Go to jail. But one day God shined a bright light, knocked him off his high horse, He was blinded for three days until he found the men of God to help him be healed from that blindness. And from that moment, he went into ministry training for Jesus Christ, and it didn't take very long for him to start preaching what he used to persecute. Because when you are truly converted, you become the help, not the hurt. I feel the Holy Ghost right now in this place. Jesus said it like this. I can only give to you what I have heard from my father. In other words, you get from me what I had to first get for myself. I can't give anything to anybody if I don't first have it. I can't give love if I don't have love. I can't give joy if I don't have joy. I can't give to anybody else if I don't first have it. And so that's why every one of us have to make sure that we've got a direct line with the power of Jesus Christ because I'm no longer the one looking for someone to bless me. I am now looking for someone to bless because I am in the church. That's what I see when I see people who have been converted. I see someone who no longer says, I want something now. I see someone who says, you know what, I'm good. I want to help somebody else. I've got power. I've got anointing. God's with me. I'm not offended. I'm not hurt. I know I'm good because I'm on the other side now, God. I don't need anything. I'm saved. You can't talk about me bad enough. I'm saved. You can't make me mad. I'm saved. The people didn't give me my salvation. They can't take it away. You're not going to hurt me because I know who I am. You know, the other side of salvation, it looks just like serving somebody. And if you're taking more than you're giving, you are not the lifter. You're the lifted. And when you get on this side of salvation, you're trying to lift somebody up, not tear them down. If God's will for you, it's God's will for you to transform from the helped to the helper. And if you have been in church a while, I'm telling you tonight, you've had plenty of time to swap on over to the light. The church was never meant to be a gathering place for consistently down and out people. To gather and just get barely enough Holy Ghost to be average again. That's not the Bible. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what I read. That's not what I see. And that's not the definition of the church. The church is... A beautiful thing. The church is a powerful people. The church is nothing like the world. It's literally light and dark. It's literally the white and the black. It's nothing that resembles the old life. It used to get you so angry, but now it just makes you go to prayer. It used to make you hit them back, but now you just cry and you show love. Because we're not those people anymore, y'all. not those people anymore the best pastoring style in my opinion what the Lord has given to me is not pity it's potential the best pastoring style is not pity you poor pitiful thing you've been damaged that is not the definition of the church I refuse to call you something that Jesus does not call you. He does not call you with pity. He does not look down upon his people. He looks at you and says, chosen, royal priesthood. And I refuse to look at you and play the game because you've been hurt. I refuse to be pitiful with you. Pastor, if you could just understand what I'm going through. No, if you could just understand who you are. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to stand before God regretting, not giving our church the tools that you need to rise up out of continual depression and drama and hurt and pain and suffering. I'm not going to do that. When you get in the light, listen to me, before I close tonight, you need to, you stop needing as much attention because the light's already on you. (laughs) Oh. I feel the spirit of the Lord in this place right now. When you know that the light is on you, you no longer seek the attention of others' flashlights in the church. When you know you're right with God and you love everybody and you hold no grudges, you need no one to love you back, tell you that you're great, or lift you up because you know who you belong to. You know that you're right with your God. You know that everything's okay and nobody can put darkness in your light because darkness cannot extinguish the light, but only the light can put out the darkness. I don't need approval anymore. I've already got it. I already have it. I don't need someone to like me or agree with me. I'm okay if you're mad. I won't get upset. I won't get triggered because I know who I am. I'm no longer that person that I used to be. Some people talk like they're they're in the dark but they believe that they're in the light. They say things like this. I just, I just can't believe I didn't get my hug today. I can't believe I didn't get my hands shook or I didn't get my phone call or no one helped me or no one loves me. That's what our guests say when they walk in. That's what people in darkness say. But people in the light say, can I hug you please? Well, that's weird. Why? Because I'm so full of love. I'm so full of God's love. You know, I don't think about that as a pastor. I don't think about like, How come Brother Braniff didn't talk to me today? Brother Braniff, do you still love me? Why am I talking about it? Because there's a few people that are dealing with this? No, because this is generational. Let me give you a story about my grandparents. When they came to a Pentecostal church years ago when they were young, and my, my parents were young, they changed churches every Sunday until the pastor shook their hand. Literally, they said, if he does not come shake my hand, that he will not be my pastor at the end of service. They needed to be served. Yet they had the Holy Ghost. Yet they had the power of God in them. Yet they're a chosen generation. Yet they're so, so desperate to have someone love them all the time. My Bible tells me that I have the love of the Father. I have the love of the Father. With or without you, I have the love of the Father. I've got so much to give. I don't need you to give it to me because I have the love of the Father. I've got the fruit of the Spirit. So what what we're talking about tonight is not for a few people. It's not taboo. It's what, the spirit, it's what the spirit of our day, it's what carnality and the enemy wants to use against us. He wants to divide us. He wants to get us about each other because he wants to tell us that we're not who we really are. He wants to mess up our identity. And that's why tonight as your pastor, I've come to tell you, I am not going to be in pity Because of your pain, if you're in the church, I expect you to live with the power of the Holy Ghost and to pray until you're baptized again afresh with an anointing on you that says, Get up. Hit me again. Hit me again. I love you so much. Hit me again. I'm preaching to myself also because what I'm saying tonight is not easy to do. It's easy to preach it. It's hard to do this tonight. But this is still who we are called to be tonight in this church. We're called to be the people of the light. And we're called to pray and get the word out until we cleanse it all out and fix it. Because as long as I'm still in need of everybody, I'm probably on the wrong side of salvation. Salvation has a look. Salvation has a way. Salvation is bigger than just a belief that I'm saved. There's fruit with your salvation. It's the way I can, I can take hurt and take pain and still love somebody back and say, it's, oh, it's okay. God gave me a message recently about Judas, and I'm going to preach it very soon. I can't ruin it tonight, but, but I'm going to explain to you how much God loves us by picking a man like Judas. Very soon. God's going to heal our church, and God's going to mature us so fast in the last days. You hear me? I'm going to prophesy over you. God is going to mature us and and going to get us healed up real quick. Our church is full of people who have been hurt and damaged. I hear you. I got it. I have too. I can't even tell you the things I've been through because, because some of those men are still alive and we've got issues and internet. Everybody knows everything. But one day I might talk about it, but I get it. I know we've been hurt. But listen, whenever I get hurt, I've got to go to prayer and say, who am I? I'm a, I'm a cheek-turner. I'm a take-another-hit kind of Christian. I'm a, it doesn't matter what you say or do. I am a child of the King. I'm a cross-carrier. I'll go to it for you and you and you and you because I am in the light, and this is what we're all about. Let's all stand on our feet tonight in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. When we get in the light, it's not about us anymore. So listen to me as I, as I close out tonight with some wisdom. When we're constantly in need, we have to be confessional that we're having a hard time being this Christian. That's not a bad thing. I give grace to new people because new people, they're still trying to figure it all out. We have to be patient and we have to give grace to new people because they've jumped from a life of hate and pain and molestation into a life that's nothing like it. And we have to be patient with people because we're giving them a new normal, a new shape. Remember we're we're born in sin, shape, in iniquity? A lot of people in church get their their sin fixed. They don't get their shape fixed. Do you know how you fix your shape? Brokenness. Brokenness fixes your shape. And some of you are so sick of being Broken. Because you left brokenness and you thought that when you got into church, you'd never be broken again. But see, getting rid of your sin is easy. But getting your shape, that's hard. It took years to make your shape. It's going to take years to break your shake, shape. It took years to be formed as the addict, to, to be formed as the anger, to be formed as the one who acts that way because mom acted that way. It's going to take years to change the shape. And that's why we have to give each other so much grace. I don't see a church full of sinners. I see a church full of shapes. It took time for me to break my shape. And we've got to give each other grace because they've been forgiven just like you, but they just have a different shape. It's going to take some time for the shape to change. So it takes some time for us to break down, to, to get back on the potter's wheel, so that he can remold us into the image of, of Jesus Christ. It takes some time to go through the process. We've got to give grace to people that are being broken. Let us not step on somebody that God is trying to fix. We have a city to reach. We have a church to finish building. We've got hurting people that need to be blessed by us. We've got people all down the road right now that need us to get this thing right because there's so many people coming in. But if we can't handle this with just us, how can we handle all of the issues? Do a little survey sometime and find out how many perfect families are at Austin First Church. If you knew half the things people in this church have gone through. It would just make you so glad that we're even having church tonight. We shouldn't even be here right now. You shouldn't even be here tonight. But we're here. And I call that a victory because hell is angry and upset. And if we can fix us, if we can be the light, there's hope for a dark and broken world. And the devil is so angry right now at what we're doing. He is so mad that we have so many people with such nasty backgrounds and life issues in the past gathering together in this place worshiping, and he wants to destroy us. But listen to me, this is not who we are. Hear me tonight as your pastor. Do you get to resist the old way? Resist the old spirit? Resist the old way that you handled your problems? I know you used to fight, you used to get angry, you used to get mad, you used to get even, but it's not the way of the light, people. In the kingdom of God, you are elevated whenever you're submissive. In the kingdom of God, you actually win your friend when you show them love. In the kingdom of God, it's completely the opposite way that you used to do it. And I know that it's a brand new shape, but I believe your shape can change. But I also know that a lot of times there has to be brokenness happen first. And the reason why some of you right now are feeling brokenness is because God's trying to give you a new shape. And you need to thank him for the brokenness. I felt the Holy Ghost right when I said that in this place right now. Some of you refuse to break. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost right now because you've spent all your life breaking. And you're afraid of this master. He's a good father. He won't do you like they did you. He won't hurt you like they hurt you. And neither will I. And there's many good people in this church. They won't either. So here's what God has done. God has put a bunch of broken people in the same church together. But he has not left us without the tools that we need. He has given us everything we need. So I'm going to tell you where we're at right now in the church. We're practicing on each other right now. Because if we can't take care of each other, there is no hope for the people coming in the door. People are like, Pastor, let's go have outreach. And I'm like, can we take care of us? That's easy. Getting people to come to church easy. How many more could we handle like us? How many more broken people could we take? Because we're all so hurting. We've got to heal fast. I said fast in the name of Jesus. We've got to heal fast. We've got to get to a place real quick where we have trust again and we try again and we love again. Because we cannot keep being a people in the dark acting like we're in the light. We'll destroy each other. And that's why this year the Holy Ghost has spoken to me and said, you're going to take authority over this church and you're going to set people free this year. I've been the young, take it easy pastor, but I'm about to be the pastor that's in an authority. And all the broken lives are about to shift and change in this church. There's going to be breakthroughs in this church and your children and your families and your marriage because God's going to tell me what to tell you and it's going to work and I will take authority over spirits and evil things that try to destroy you. And it will only bless you, it will not hurt you. Only ones that will hurt are the ones that don't want to get better. This year we're going to see growth and we're going to see change. God told me a long, several months ago, this year is a building year. And you are the foundation. Right here, right now, we, this is the foundation. Right here, right now. So in my opening remarks, I said, this is about salvation. Can we pause for a second and just make sure we're saved still? If there's anger in your heart towards somebody, that's not the Spirit of God. Listen, y'all, my job is to make sure you're saved, number one. And all of the other issues are simply revelations that something's not right in our spirit. And so, you know, before I work on anybody else, I've got to make sure I'm right. Even Jesus said, get the little twig out of your, get the log out of your own eye, the the thing in your own eye, before you try to get the speck out of your brother's eye. There's an order to repairing things in the kingdom, and it always starts with me. Jesus told his disciples, one of you is going to betray me, and they all said, is it me individually? Is it I? Because the correct way to handle the kingdom and handle correction is to always look in the mirror and say, is it me? The only one that didn't say it was the one that betrayed Jesus. If you want to make sure you're saved, you've got to use all of the intricacies and all the social issues, all of your family issues, all of this marriage stuff. It has got to reveal whether you're saved or not. Can you just for a moment get back to square one and make sure that you're going to heaven? Because if anything can reveal it to you, then thank God it revealed it to you. Thank God somebody can make you mad enough to make you bring the old guy back so that you can repent again and get the spirit again. It's about being saved, y'all. And the way that I feel when I'm hurt is an indicator of my salvation. The way that I love somebody when they've done me wrong is an indicator of my salvation. That's why when you're hurt, don't get even. Go to prayer. Make sure you're still saved. (laughs) Hey, you can't make that person be saved. You can't change them. All you can do is love them. But you can do this. Make sure that don't get a hold of you and mess you up and get you out of eternity with Jesus. That's what you can do. Let's lift our hands, please, in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I can't come down to the level of your old way. I can't come down to the level of your old way. I can't counsel you out of that. This is about conversion tonight. Uh, This is about us being the people of God or not. Uh, It is simply us being the people of love or not. Uh, The people that get hurt uh, and we overcome or we're not. Uh, It's one or the other and the devil wants to lie and say that there's multiple levels. It's not true. We're either about this or we're not about this in the name of Jesus right now. I pray that everyone in this church, uh, every one of us would examine our hearts tonight and make sure that we're on the right side of salvation. That doesn't matter what anybody says, or does, I thank God for them. I thank God for my Judas, who every time I turn around looks like they're trying to kill me. Why would God let Judas be here? Because it's hard to break yourself. Hear me in the Holy Ghost right now. Ain't nobody can break you like Judas. Ain't nobody can break you like your spouse. I feel the Lord speaking right now. <laughs> Ain't nobody can break you like your best friend in church. Ain't nobody can break you like those closest to you that you thought were in the church. But why would God let Judas be apart? Because it's hard to break yourself. Someone's got to take you to the cross where you don't feel like going. Thank God for Judas tonight. Thank God for the one who stirs us and breaks us. Thank God for the one who inspects our fruit to make sure we're truly holy and righteous and we're right with God. Thank God for the one who just made me angry. Thank God for the one who next week will make me mad. I need to know who I am before judgment day. And God help us, we've got to get good at loving hurting people. Please hear me in the Holy Ghost Church. The majority of the people that you're having problems with are seriously hurting on the inside. And you keep seeing the person and not the spirit and that's what Brother Burns said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities, rulers of the darkness. That's why Jesus loved those who hurt him. Because those who were hurting him needed help. Thank you, Lord, tonight. I didn't preach long. Would you mind praying with me at the front tonight? Let's just take some time. I want to pray too because i got to pray tonight. In the name of Jesus, you can leave when you need to leave. We love you so much. But I just want to pray for a little bit in the name of the Lord that God will just make sure that I have love and I have, I have what God wants me to have.